This week I heard a very powerful question. We were taking some time off. We were in Dallas for a few days, and in the last day of our trip, we took a tour, we took an official tour of Dallas Baptist University. Now, most of the process, I was asking them if Sarah decides to go there, where I'm going to stay as well, <laughs> how that was going to work out with the meal plan, if I could eat on hers or if we need to buy two of those. Y'all think I'm playing about that. But we're taking the tour of, of the university, and on part of the tour, the young lady that was giving the tour was telling us about her classes. And in, in one of their classes, she says that the professor asked the students, what does the gospel mean to you? And I want to tell you, I was impressed with that. I thought about what, what an awesome thing, that that's, that's a question that they're discussing there at this school. What does the gospel mean to you? And then they have a detailed conversation in response to that question. What does the gospel mean to you? Folks, I want to tell you, that is a powerful question. Today, when we're doing all the talking about the gospel today and what is the gospel and sharing the gospel and, and standing on the gospel, and yes, we should, but I wonder what would happen in our church if somebody were to take us aside and ask us as individuals, what does the gospel mean to you? That is a powerful question. You see, not only does it suppose that you know what the gospel is, that you understand the gospel, but it also supposes that it is personal to you, that it has had an impact on you, that the gospel of Jesus Christ means something to you. And so today I want you to consider with me that powerful question. What does the gospel mean to you. What does the gospel mean to you? And I'm going to go ahead and say it up front today. I am praying that it means even more today when we're done than it does right now. That is my prayer, that it would mean even more to you leaving here than it does right now. What does the gospel mean to you. Now, we're going to look at a whole bunch of verses today. I want to start off with some focal verses that I base this on. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Again, we're going to look at a whole slew of verses, but we're going to start and we're going to ground ourselves in these two verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. What does the gospel mean to you? I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for you. We're thankful for such a great God, for such a, a magnificent God, for a kind and gracious God. We're thankful for Jesus Christ, our salvation, our hope, the anchor that holds. Thankful for the word of God that we come today and we can hear from you, that we can know you and, our, and our, the depth of our knowledge can grow deeper today. Lord, I pray that in the preaching of this message, that our hearts will be turned to you 
And I pray for us in this room that are believers that we would have a deeper appreciation for the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd remove anything that's going to hinder that, any anger, any jealousy, any resentment, any sin that would hinder that. I pray that we would leave here with a greater astonishment for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for some in this room that have never put their faith in Jesus, who've never received the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today in this hour, in this message, in the preaching of your word, in the drawing of your spirit, Lord, that their ears would be opened, their eyes would be opened, and today they might put their faith in Jesus Christ as, our Lord, as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I come and I'm thankful for you, and I do praise you, and I submit this to you, and I ask now that you take it and you multiply it, you use it, and that you're known through it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so here we are this morning, and here you sit. Some of you have been sitting here for many, many years. Some of you are new here. But the question has been put to you this morning, what does the gospel mean to you? What is the gospel? Where are you sitting this morning? What does the gospel mean to you? Well, let me start off and say this this morning. The gospel is so very, very simple. The gospel is so straightforward, so simple. I believe even a, a child can understand it and a child can be saved. I'm, I'm always praying that in the, the influence of Calvary Baptist Church and the, the homes that are trained here, that kids will be saved in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, I'm not scared to say, I pray and I hope that our kids are saved. Oh, what a blessing it is to be saved in an early age. Oh, I hope and I pray that in the influence of our teaching and the influence of the homes that we establish, that kids Find our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'll just tell you, the gospel is so very, very simple. But at the same time, let me say to you, the gospel is so very, very profound, so deep, so rich, so involved that, that some days when I look into it, I, I really can't begin to grasp it all. I, I really can't fathom its depths and I marvel at the expanse of our gospel. And I come and I say, oh, what a wonderfully simple, crazily profound gospel that we hold. Isn't that just like our God? So simple that even a kid can be saved. And yet so deep that in our, in our deepest thoughts, we really can't understand the depth of it all. So simple and so profound, both at the same time. Isn't that just like our God? Oh, the, the marvelous gospel that we hold. The word gospel, in the original language, in the Greek, literally translates good news. Evangelion, it's a, it's, a, it's a Greek word. It translates literally good news. Now, we've adjusted that, and if you are to go to your dictionary and look up gospel, it's going to be tied to the, the good news of Jesus Christ or the, the message of Jesus Christ or the, the four first books of the New Testament, the account of the life of Jesus Christ. But the, the literal basic translation is as simple as good news. Now, I'm going to go on a side note right here. I've only got one service this morning, and so I've got some extra energy, so here I'm going to go. 
Gospel means good news. It actually, listen, it actually means good news. That is what the word means. So smile. Be glad today. Rejoice. We have good news. We hold good news. Laugh today. Be excited. Sing. Listen, sing. I can't sing a lick, but I'm not going to be held back. We have good news. I want to tell you, we need to change the disposition today. We need a change of expression today. The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, smile. We have good news. See what happens when you go on vacation? <laughs> Listen, church, we have good news. The greatest news. Good news. So what is the good news? What is the gospel? Well, just like it is simple and yet profound, there is a simple answer and there is a profound answer. Let me start with the simple answer. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can turn there if you want. If not, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is, this is the simple expression of the gospel. This is the, the narrow definition of our gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, first two verses. Paul says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand by which you also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says here, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that I received. This is what he says. This is the gospel that I preached. This is the gospel that when I preached it, you received it. And by receiving this gospel, this is the gospel by which you are saved. He says, this is the gospel. Let me tell you this. There's only one gospel you'll be saved by. There's not many gospels. There's not different forms of the same gospel. There is only one gospel by which you'll be saved, and that is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, you want the gospel? Here it is. I've preached it to you. You've heard it. By receiving it, you have been saved. He says, here is the gospel. Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures revealed the need for a lamb. The Scriptures revealed the need for a Savior. The scriptures revealed that it was the shedding of blood that provides the remission of sin. And so according to the scriptures, Christ died for our sins. Verse 3, again. For I delivered to you the first appointment that I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now verse 4. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is not here for he has risen. He is alive. He died according to the scriptures. He also has been risen. He's alive according to the scriptures. 
verses 5 through 8. And that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, although some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Paul says this, he died for our sin. He was really dead. He was buried in a grave. He is resurrected from the grave. Not only that, it has been confirmed. It is the truth. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to 500. And Paul says, and last of all, he has appeared to me as well. It is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, this is the gospel by which you are saved. Jesus died for sin in the place of sinners. He was dead and placed in a grave. But up from the grave he arose and he is alive now and by faith in him we are saved. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says what I've received is what I've reported to you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I call that the short form of the gospel. There's so much there we could expound on all that, but really that is the short form of the gospel. But let me tell you this. Praise God, he gives us a long form as well. And it is this. Friends, be sure of this today. Don't miss this. This is the word of God. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, this is the word of God, and listen to me, and this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of it. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. From in the beginning, God, all the way to even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. All of it is the good news of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the Bible. It is the word of God. It is our good news. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do you think there's an attack on the Bible today? Why do you think some intellectuals today are saying, you know what, I'll believe the words of Christ, but I'll set some of this aside. You know what, I'll not believe the creation account, but I'll believe the resurrection account. There's an attack on the word of God today. You know why? Because in the entirety, it is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see the scope of this. I want you to see how big this is. You see... There is the gospel in the creation account. And so I'll just tell you, if you change the creation account, you mess up the gospel. Well, I got to explain a little bit here. Well, you better explain a lot over there. There's the gospel in the creation account. You know what? There's the gospel in the fall of man. And as I read there, as, as man enters into sin and darkness comes and, and death enters in, there in the fall of man and that, that account there in Genesis, there is the light of the gospel and it already stands. And the promise is the seed of a woman will crush the serpent's head. And we see the light of the gospel. Listen, there's the gospel in the account of the fall in Genesis. There's the gospel in the flood account of Noah. 
Our kids are getting ready to see that. They're going to spend a week seeing that. There's the gospel in the flood of Cal. No, you see, God hates sin, and God judges sin. He can have no part of sin, and he judges sin and his hatred for it, but he never does so without salvation and deliverance. Listen, the ark is Jesus Christ, and in him we're saved. There's the gospel in the flood account of Noah. There's the gospel in Abraham. God rewards faith. In fact, he says, just as by faith righteousness was credited to Abraham, today through faith we become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. By faith we're saved, not of any work of man, lest we might boast. There's the gospel in the story of Abraham. There's the gospel in the story of Moses. When the law comes down the mountain and where the law shows us our need, where the law shows us that we live in a helpless estate. There's no way we can keep the law when the law shows us that it's impossible and that we're trapped and we're living as slaves. God sends our deliverer and he leads all the way to the blessed promised land. And when we enter into Christ, we enter into his rest. And having wandered in the wilderness of our sin in Christ, I can say today, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. There's the gospel in the account of Moses. Friends, this Bible, the word of God, all of it, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why we preach it. And that's why we teach it. And that's why we defend it at all costs. That's why we uphold it in a dark and dying world. That's why we cling to it when we have nothing else to cling to. From cover to cover, it is the gospel, the good news of salvation and the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we have the long form. And that brings us back to the question today. What is the gospel mean to you? How does it impact you? What is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what does it mean to you? Now, let me just tell you, we're going to look at some verses here. I could have looked at 100 verses. I could have just picked the account of Abraham and see what the gospel means to us there. I could go to 100 places, but I want to build a case here for what the gospel means to us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Very familiar verses. What does the gospel mean to me? Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's what the gospel means. The gospel means our God is glorious. 
Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The gospel means our God is glorious. He is, he is perfect. He is not tainted by sin. He is absolutely perfect. In fact, the Bible says he can have no part of sin. He is glorious. He is the creator of all things. Everything that you see, everything that's ever existed, he created it. He is all powerful. He is absolutely just. He is infinitely wise. He is totally eternal. He is holy beyond our imagination. He is marvelous. Oh, the glory of our God. The gospel means that our God is glorious. Let me tell you something today. Any gospel that tries to bring God down to our level is not the gospel. Any gospel that tries to make God created in our image instead of the other way around, it's not the gospel. That's the message of the day. We'll just bring God down to our level. Listen, church, we need to get back to singing and to proclaiming and to exalting and to revering the absolute glory of God. We need to get back to that. We need to proclaim the glory of God. We do not need to try to negate him and to wash him out and to bring him into our level. We need to preach the glory of God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. In his presence, the very mountains, they tremble. He is greatly to be glorified because he is great in glory. In heaven, the angels sing, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. Listen to me, the gospel means this, our God is glorious. We serve a glorious God. We serve a mighty, amazing God. The gospel means our God is glorious. Let us sing his praises. The gospel means we are sinners. And as sinners, we have fallen short of that glory. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not that you are enough. The gospel of Jesus Christ is you're deficient. Their message today is, well, you're enough, you're enough. Well, God built you, God loves you, you're enough. Listen to me, that's not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is you are deficient. The gospel of today is not that you're a good person. I heard a whole bunch of stuff this week about good people. Listen, the Bible says no one is good, not one of us. The gospel of our day today is self-esteem. And people go around saying, what if we'll just build up people's self-esteem? If we'll build up these little kids and their self-esteem, if we'll encourage their self-worth, the problems of the day will go away. Listen to me, that's not the problem of the day. The truth is this, I have sinned. I have sinned. I sinned. Built in the image of God, loved by a marvelous God, I rejected him and I sinned against God. I have fallen sadly away from the glory of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is I have a problem. You have a problem. I have a need. I have a need that I can't answer. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, listen, in your sin, you're deficient. Gets worse. Romans 6, 23, first part of the verse. For the wages of sin is death. 
Not only have you sinned, not only have I sinned, in our sin, we're dead. We're dead to God. We're enemies of God. The Bible says that. We're haters of God. We're condemned in our sin. We're under the wrath of God towards sin. No one's talking about the, the fact that God is holding his wrath. He's patient and he's holding his wrath. Listen, in your sin, you're under the wrath of God towards sin. You're awaiting a second death. The book of Revelation says that separation from God for all eternity in the reality of hell. Listen, that is the gospel. In sin, we have earned a punishment. In sin, we have earned a death. Today, guys like Joel Osteen and some others like him say, you know what, they're not going to preach on sin. I'm not, I'm not running him down. He'll say that. Go listen to YouTube. He says that's not his message. That's not his gig. He's not going to preach on sin. Let me tell you, there's a whole bunch of other guys. They're not ever going to say it like that, but they're still not going to preach on sin. It might hurt their attendance. They're not going to preach about sin. They're not going to do it, but be sure today that's not the gospel. If you don't understand sin, you won't be saved. And if you don't understand your sin, friend, today you're lost. What's the gospel mean to you? Let me just tell you, if it doesn't include sin and a payment for sin, it won't mean much. Maybe that's the problem we have today. And when you go around and say, you know what, my problem is, is something my parents did. My problem is my environment. My problem is my self-esteem. My problem is my financial condition. If your problem is anything but this, you'll have no need for the truth of the gospel. Listen, you have a problem today. In your sin, you're deficient. In your sin, you're under the condemnation from God. And you are dead. But. Two times we see this word. Let me read the verse, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages is death. The payment, what we've earned, we've earned death. But the gift is eternal life. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let me show you another time, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel means... God loves you. The gospel means God loves you. I mean, let me tell you, that's the deep part. That's, that's the hard part. You know what? I'm, I'm no giant intellect, but you want to talk about creation of six days? That's easy. I can understand that. I trust God. He did it. He's powerful. I can't understand this. This, this is too hard for me. This is too hard for me to, to understand. Our glorious God, perfect, having no part of sin, who creates us, who loves us, that God, we reject him and he loves us. We hate him and he rejects and he loves us. 
We shame him. We take his name and we heap shame on his name. And he loves us. We abandon him. You know what? I'm going to go my own way. Give me my wealth and my stuff and I'll leave the Father's fold. And we reject him. We abandon him. And he loves us. That makes no sense to me. The gospel means God loves you. I could almost stop there. The professor says, what does the gospel mean to you? He leans down. He says, what does the gospel mean to you? I can almost stop there. Oh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. For sure, I don't deserve it. But the holy God, the God of creation, the God of heaven, the God of earth, he loves me. What does the gospel mean? God loves me. God loves me. I can almost stop there. There's much, much more. The gospel means God loves me. Now listen, the gospel means he demonstrates it. You see, anybody can talk big. Anybody can write down words. The gospel means God demonstrates it. Listen to verse 8 again. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, Christ died for us. This is why we preach about sin. This is why we have to include hell and wrath and punishment and the penalty for sin. You see, understand this today. Be sure today, God doesn't just poof it away. God doesn't just remove it. God doesn't just lift it, but in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, he pays it. He doesn't take his wrath towards sin. He doesn't take the punishment for sin and say, you know what, I've decided to do something else with it. I've decided to wash it away. No, in the person of Jesus Christ, he pours it out and he satisfies it in his son, Jesus. His wrath towards sin is poured out on Jesus. The perfect lamb of God, Jesus the perfect lamb that doesn't sin. He never sins. He doesn't sin Jesus. He takes my sin and he takes your sin and he becomes the sacrifice for sin. And he goes to the altar of the cross of Calvary and his blood is shed and he dies for sin. The gospel means, listen, the price is paid. That's what the gospel means. The price is paid. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The price is paid. In his blood, redemption is delivered. In Jesus, our sins are nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. In Jesus, the gospel is, the penalty is paid. What does the gospel mean? God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, we've got to understand the penalty. We've got to understand God's righteous judgment, his anger of sin. 
We've got to understand the totality, the, the hugeness of the gospel. What does the gospel mean? It means the penalty is paid while we were yet sinners, not after we became religious, not after we went to church for two years, not after we got the right bumper stickers. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He took our penalty, my penalty and yours, and he took it to the cross and he paid it on the altar there. That's what the gospel means. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does the gospel mean? It means what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Jesus died according to the scripture. According to the call of the scripture, Jesus died. Jesus died. He was buried, the son of God, Jesus. The prince of heaven, the prince of glory, Jesus. The word that created all things, Jesus. Jesus died. He he was killed. He died on a tree that he created. He died, he was killed at the hands of the people that he came to save, the people that he loved. He was killed, he was dead. They placed him in a tomb in rocks that he spoke into existence. Jesus died, but the good news of the gospel is this. The grave could not hold him. Satan could not have him. And though he was dead and three days in the grave, Jesus steps out of the grave. He is alive, he is risen, he is our savior. That is the good news of the gospel. What's the gospel mean to you? What does the gospel mean to you? We have a risen Savior. He stepped out of the grave. He defeated death and he stands in victory. What does the gospel mean to you? What does the gospel mean? The last of verse nine says this. In believing that, verse 9, you will be saved. You understand that now? You profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart that Jesus died for sin, for sinners. He lives today. If you profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you will be saved. I don't know if this professor can handle me. I'm probably going to get Sarah kicked out of there. What does the gospel mean to me? It means God loves me. What does the gospel mean to me? It means that he purchased me back. He thought enough of me, he purchased me back. What does the gospel mean to me? He paid my price. I couldn't pay it on my own. What does the gospel mean? He died my death. He died in my place. What does the gospel mean? It means that he's alive. But more than that, what does the gospel mean? It means in God's grace, by faith in Jesus, a sinner ruined like me, I am saved in the grace of God, in the work of Jesus Christ. That is what the the gospel means to me. And so the question is this, friend. The question is this. What 
does the gospel mean to you? How dare us be silent? How dare us be apathetic? How dare us not praise the God who in his grace sends his only begotten son? What does the gospel mean to you? Let me tell you something here if you've never put your faith in Christ. Right now, the grace of God, his love, his salvation is offered to you in the good news of the gospel today. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've heard it a whole bunch of times. Maybe you say, well, I've been to church. I've heard these stories. I know the Christmas account. You know what, I've come and I've seen what we celebrate on Easter. Maybe you come and say, I've never heard it before. Maybe you're here today saying, what has never meant anything to me? It was my, my parents' belief or someone else's faith. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Let me tell you what the good news of the gospel is. Today, you can be saved. If God's speaking to you just now, moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you're here and you say, no, I've heard it a hundred times, I've never responded. I've heard it and I've never understood it. Or maybe today I've heard it for the first time. If you're here and you're ready to say, my, my work's not going to cut it. My treadmill's not going anywhere. Today I empty my hands and I put my faith in Jesus Christ for my salvation. If that's you today, you step out and you come meet me here at the front. I'd jump up you and I'd run if I were you. Come down, let's settle that today. Settle that today. Maybe you're here and you've put your faith in Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism. How would you not say, you know what, I want that testimony to stand. I want people to see what I believe of the gospel. You come as well. What does the gospel mean to you? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm thankful for my Savior, Jesus. And I'm thankful for good news that is still good news. And I'm thankful that you love a sinner such as I. A sorry, messed up sinner such as I. I'm, I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy and your love. I'm thankful that in Christ you show us the way to redemption. Not anything we could ever do, but what you have finished in the work of Calvary. And I pray for some in this room that today need to settle Today, they need to take their hands off the wheel and put their full trust in Jesus for their salvation. I pray that right now you're stirring in their heart, Lord. I pray that they couldn't sit still and it would be a settled fact in the conclusion of this service. I pray that you'd freely move. Lord, we come and we just tell you how much we do love you and how much we are in awe of such a simple, profound gospel by which we're saved. We love you. We love you. We love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.